0: Everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine, specializing in the treatment of infertility by a natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naturna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello, ladies. Today we are tackling a topic that unfortunately many of us deal with on a regular basis, and that is the topic of how our appetite and cravings change according to what our hormones are doing. So if you find yourself unable to make good decisions about food at certain times in your cycle, or perhaps you haven't identified a pattern yet, but you know something is amiss, this is the episode for you. Whether you're sneaking chocolate a few days before a period or you're just dealing with insatiable hunger weeks at a time, I'm gonna try to give you the information to understand what's going on so that you're able to tackle it. I think most of you know what I'm talking about when I bring up the notion of naughty food habits leading up to your period. For some it's sweets, others it's salty. Still others it might be carbs or comfort foods like pizza, mac and cheese, or pasta. Chocolate is a common culprit, and we don't feel bad about that one because it's healthy, right? I mean, you know, we read lots of blog posts and magazines about how it contains antioxidants and stuff. If we are coloring outside the lines, meaning kind of, you know, eating not so great just here and there in small doses, then it's not really that big of a deal. And for most of you, that's probably the case. But for some, there's a severe lack of control that is leading to binge eating, affecting health and causing low self-esteem. Research has shown that women will increase food intake up to an extra 500 calories per day um, in the luteal phase, which is the phase after ovulation. If you are doing this for a few days, again, you might feel yucky and have to recover from that. But if you're doing it for 10 to 14 days, as some are, uh, then do the math. That's a lot of calories and it can get out of hand. Not to mention that it becomes hard to break the habit once your period comes. All said, I'm sure if you decided to tune into this episode, you're probably interested in understanding why you are having said cravings and learn what you may be able to do about it. None of us like feeling gross in our bodies, obviously. And our food choices can certainly make us feel gooey, uh, mushy, uh, or bloated, not to mention affect our neuro- neurochemistry and make us feel down or anxious. Uh, so it's not just the assault on our our physical body, like our digestive system and our liver having to deal with the extra food. Uh, it's how we feel about ourselves. But it's really important to understand that our food choices really do affect our mental health. And that's just based on physiology, like the way that certain foods affect our gut and blood sugar levels and things, and then therefore will affect our ability to regulate our brain chemistry, uh, our happy hormones like serotonin or dopamine or, or GABA. Uh, so I'm going to get into that and explain what's going on. Because I want you to really understand uh, the implications and that, you know, even if it is just a few days of this happening, it might be something that you want to give a little bit of attention to. Uh, so what is happening with these cravings? Uh, the most time, common time to start getting cravings is between ovulation and menstruation. It may just be a couple days before your period or it can start a couple weeks out. The underlying cause behind the changes in appetite relate mostly to how hormonal changes affect gut bacteria, inflammation, insulin resistance, and neurochemistry. And I'm gonna break those down. So first I just wanna do a quick review of the phases of our cycle so you can understand um, what I'm talking about. So. There are four phases to your cycle. The first phase, day one, starts on the first day of your period. Um, And so that'll last maybe two or three days for some women, maybe five or six days for others. But day one, when you start bleeding, that's your menstrual phase. When you're coming out of the menstrual phase, you get into the follicular phase. And that is characterized by a rise in estrogen that is helping to produce a follicle or an egg that you will ovulate when you come to ovulation. So this phase lasts typically um, up to around day 14, 15, 16. Um, But that said, it's not, um, it does vary from person to person. So you could have a longer follicular phase or a shorter follicular phase. But if we're looking at this, you know, regular 28-day cycle, uh, think that the... Uh, follicular phase goes to about day 14 or so okay and so you have the estrogen rise in the follicular phase and then you come to the ovulatory phase and that's characterized by a surge in LH hormone, the luteinizing hormone, which releases the egg. Um, You consequently have a drop in estrogen and a rise in progesterone and that characterizes the luteal phase. So the luteal phase is a phase that lasts from ovulation to when you get your menstruation and start all over again. So phase four, the luteal phase is generally the phase where we're seeing the issues with hormone cravings and it can start as early as right around the time of ovulation or again it can just start right before you get your period serotonin well known as our happy hormone um, levels of this happy hormone can sink in our luteal phase. So as I just explained, that's the phase between ovulation and menstruation, causing us to feel down, anxious, tired, or otherwise out of sorts. Uh, to give a boost, we often reach for sweets or carbs. We don't know we're doing that. Our body is telling us that it wants us to boost serotonin, um, this like get a feeling of well-being. Um, and so we start craving the things that will give an immediate boost In serotonin, carbs and sugars in the blood give an immediate but temporary boost to our feeling of happiness. Um, This is before it comes crashing down, of course. Serotonin is affected by the health of our microbiome, which is our gut health. And I know we're hearing a lot about this, and we're going to jump in next into how gut bacteria changes that occur premenstrually affect serotonin levels, and then they also affect the degree of emotional control and cravings. So next up, gut bacteria and the microbiome. When you transition into the luteal phase, there can be changes in your gut bacteria. One study showed an increase in certain gut bacteria and gut gut permeability, meaning um, leaky gut, essentially, uh, how little particles can leak out of our intestines and into our bloodstream and cause inflammation. And there was an increase in this gut bacteria and gut permeability after day 14 of women's cycles. And this correlated with increased anxiety, fatigue, breast tenderness, and food cravings. It also correlates, not in this particular study, uh, but but it also correlates with feeling uh, bloated and kind of dimply and puffy and lethargic. So uh, know that the changes in gut bacteria have uh, wider implications. The foggy brain. Some of us feel like we just like just are not our best selves from after ovulation all the way to menstruation, and that's a significant amount of the month to be feeling uh, kind of out of sorts. So. Uh, The increase in bacteria is caused by a transition into the progesterone phase of the cycle because the luteal phase is characterized by a rise in progesterone. There's still estrogen there, um, but the hormone that was introduced that was not there before in the other phases was progesterone. Um, We're also seeing a correlation between the rise in bacteria uh, that comes along with the transition to progesterone and how. Becomes how we see a rise in inflammation come with it the specific marker is iga uh, and that can be measured on blood tests not for nothing changes in our gut microbiome are also what generally make us bloat up and feel the gooey foggy and tired feelings Interesting to note is that bacteria can actually affect the production of progesterone, so it ends up being kind of a negative loop. So uh, we have the progesterone causing increases in the gut bacteria, but then the gut bacteria eat away at the progesterone, and then low progesterone can actually cause um, more PMS symptoms, more psychological symptoms, and also it can lead to issues with fertility. So, um, the wider picture of us being left with a deficiency of this vital hormone will both increase the PMS symptoms, the ones we've talked about, like bloat, emotional imbalance, and cravings, um, but also affect our ability to conceive. Uh, last but not least, bacterial changes can lead to endometritis or the inflammation of the endometrial or uterine lining which will make implantation more difficult and potentially cause pregnancy loss. So changes in bacteria, just as a review, can be linked to uh, affecting our reproductive hormones. They are both affected by and affect our reproductive hormones that could lead to issues with fertility. Uh, And that is in the realm of generally implantation and maintaining a pregnancy. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled from my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. Now that we've touched on the source of the inflammation, which is, again, the changes in gut bacteria, we can dive into the role of inflammation and cravings. Several studies have found a link between PMS symptoms and increased inflammatory markers, such as the IGA or the CRP. I won't get into a bunch of uh, abbreviated terms because I think it'll make the podcast a little bit dry, <laughs> but at least you'll have a tidbit of information about what kind of things can be looked for, uh, mostly done in functional medicine testing, uh, and you know what terms to look out for if you're doing more research yourself. Research has shown that women have poor glycemic control in the luteal phase. So what does this mean? This means that blood glucose levels, so blood sugar levels, tend to go up and insulin levels along with it. Diabetic women need more insulin to control blood sugar in the luteal phase. So, you know, diabetic women that are not producing their own insulin they actually have to take more insulin um to be able to control the blood sugar levels because they just kind of rise uncontrollably in the luteal phase for some people since a good chunk of the population deals with some degree of insulin resistance so we don't have a a large, well, we do have a large portion of the population diagnosed with diabetes, but um, a larger part of the the population has undiagnosed insulin resistance. So not diabetic, just a kind of blood sugar sensitivity, like not metabolizing blood sugar all that well. And symptoms of that could be sweet cravings in general, or sweet cravings after a meal, or or you easily gain weight, especially around the midsection. Um, You can get tired or hangry, uh, you might suffer from mood issues, uh, energy levels, dizziness, so hypoglycemia. So there are a lot of symptoms associated with blood sugar issues and insulin issues. It's just that unless you have full-blown diabetes, there's not really much attention paid to it. So um, w- since there's a good chunk of the population that's dealing with this, um, it's good to mention the things that are associated with it. So On the topic of this podcast, we're touching on insatiable appetite, weight gain, uh, infertility, bloating, and general kind of unease in your emotional state. What's the connection between insulin, blood sugar, and inflammation? Well, when inflammatory markers were assessed um, in a study with the change from estrogen-dominant follicular phase to the progesterone-dominant luteal phase, the inflammatory response rose and with it went the blood sugar so again i know i'm kind of repeating myself but it's sort of to get you guys knowledgeable about the physiology of it which can become a little bit confusing so when women went transition from follicular through ovulatory into their luteal phase so the phase after uh after they ovulate inflammation went up too and as the inflammatory markers went up the blood sugar levels also went up they didn't assess in this study why inflammation rose but based on what I'm seeing in this podcast I'm drawing a link between inflammation and the changes in gut bacteria caused by the shift in hormones so um, previously I touched on the link between um, the changes in the hormones and how the the gut bacteria change and how that was associated with more inflammatory markers. There just hasn't been a link that I've found in research to connect the gut bacteria with the sort of PMS symptoms. And a link from there uh, to it causing an aggravating uh, causing and aggravating insulin resistance and diabetes. In fact, if you Google the topic, you'll see a plethora of articles and research popping up, um, between the idea of like insulin resistance and the cravings and, and PMS symptoms that you get leading up to your period. Again, you won't see it as much with the gut bacteria, but I think as we look more and more at the gut brain connection and we become more focused on the microbiome, um, like our our gut health and how that affects our overall health, we're going to see more more research pop up here. So, all said, what can you do about this? We know that the gut bacteria is going to affect inflammation and it's going to affect our mental health because when the gut bacteria is off, that means we don't produce serotonin as well. Serotonin, the happy hormone, is produced in our gut. Um, so there's the gut-brain connection. Some of our neurotransmitters, the one that make, make us feel happy and well and have, and regulate our appetite, are produced in the gut. If the gut micro- microbiome or the bacterial balance is off, then we are not going to have control over our emotions or over our cravings. Okay, Um, next, the gut bacteria is influenced by our hormones, but it's also influenced by what we eat. So I am going to uh, launch into some of the things that you can do with your diet to not kind of feed the monster. Inflammation is affected by the gut bacteria, um, also affected by our food choices. So again, I'm going to touch on the things that we would do to not promote more inflammation. Insulin resistance. Same deal. So these are, you know, forming this kind of vicious loop, gut bacteria, inflammation, insulin resistance. Um, And so with the insulin resistance, there are things that we can do with our diet and lifestyle and supplements to regulate it so that it doesn't worsen things. So. A good place to start to regulate your cravings, so you have more control of yourself over yourself, is actually based in Eastern medicine principles, um, and it's to avoid very flavorful foods. Um, so I eat too much sweet or salty. Um, strong flavors increase cl- cravings, and you know, though I'm kind of relating it back to an Eastern medicine philosophy, you would know this just from how packaged foods get us more addicted like the very salty chips we crave more of them or once we eat sweet foods we crave more of them the food industry knows this <laughs> that's why there are flavor enhancers and salts and sweets put in the food because they want you to like the food and buy more of it um, so just keep in mind that eating more packaged food is putting you at risk because it'll increase cravings and then also just eating out because eating out the restaurants want, want the food to be Tasty. I don't think there's ill intention here. They want you to enjoy yourself, Uh, but the problem is the tastier food makes you eat more, crave more, and want more. Uh, And so my suggestion is to, in this phase, try to do a bit more cooking at home. Try to cook a little bit more muted in the flavors. Like I I don't want to say bland because that doesn't sound good, but it is kind of the case. Like you want to be using, you know, squeezing lemon, using olive oil, um, not cooking salt into your food, but maybe sprinkling a little bit of sea salt on afterwards. You instead of really spicy flavors you want to be doing things like oregano and basil and cumin and coriander things that are more neutral in flavor you don't want to have a ton a ton of garlic or a ton a ton of onion Uh, these super super flavorful um, herbs and spices are going to lead to more cravings but most important is the salt and sweet those are the ones that are going to lead you to have less control over yourself Um, Also, be careful about foods that rile up the gut bacteria. Um, So those things would be sugar. Sugar directly feeds gut bacteria and yeast. So the more sweet you eat, the the stronger the gut bacteria get and the more out of balance they get. Uh, Fermented foods are also an issue. So, you know, there are healthy ways to consume fermented foods but my general sentiment about um eating fermented foods like sauerkraut and kimchi and kombucha is that in this phase when the gut bacteria is out of balance we have to be a little bit careful because there are various strains of um, good bacteria in these fermented foods and some of them can unfortunately promote growth of more of the bad bacteria so we just have to be careful with that stuff i wouldn't be having a ton of the fermented foods in the luteal phase if you're dealing with this issue Uh, you can start introducing those later when you have a handle on it and then you'll be able to see whether they're helping or hindering you Beer, wine, dark liquor, terrible for gut bacteria. It just feeds it. They're fermented, um, they're yeasty, and they just lead to an overgrowth. And so um, they're affecting the gut bacteria, but they're also affecting your liver health, which is not good for controlling cravings or emotions for that matter. Um, and anything that's going to affect our emotions is going to affect our appetite a lot of the time. Mushrooms. Um, I know there's a craze about mushrooms and they seem like they're a healthy food, but they also have of spores and they can increase bacteria. So it's not that you can't have any of them. I just wouldn't have too, too many in this phase of the cycle. Uh, fruits are also something to consider. Uh, low glycemic fruits like berries aren't too bad, although uh, strawberries have some uh, mold on the outside, even if you can't see it, that can increase the gut bacteria. So blackberries, raspberries, blueberries are a better bet. And I wouldn't eat too many tropical fruits in this phase. So mango, pineapple, banana, these are gonna lead to increases in the gut bacteria that are not gonna be favorable inflammatory foods in the luteal phase, uh, will also worsen insulin resistance and affect brain chemistry. So inflammation, uh, not only increases the insulin resistance, like affects our ability to, uh, use the sugars that we're taking in from food. Uh, but it also affects the brain chemistry. And so inflammation in the body is correlated with more anxiety and depression, uh, bipolar impulsiveness, um, and other mental and emotional disorders. So we want to be really careful about inflammation and inflammatory foods Um, and then we also have to be careful to balance the insulin blood sugar so inflammatory foods include things like uh, conventionally raised uh, beef and pork uh, things like corn soy especially genetically modified crops sugar uh, alcohol and excess of caffeine and um, just generally packaged foods. So they might contain certain flavor enhancers or chemicals or um, sweeteners that uh, are not, it's not sugar perhaps, but maybe it's uh, sorbitol or sucralose uh, or aspartame or something. These are really unhealthy in terms of causing inflammation. You may not see an associated spike in blood sugar right away, but it can affect insulin levels. And actually it's been shown that uh, fake sweeteners uh, can can really make us gain more weight and affect our blood uh, sorry, our brain chemistry more than regular sugar i don 't recommend either <laughs> i i don 't know if it 's realistic to not have any sweetener at all ever, but I would keep it to minimal amounts of things like maple syrup and honey molasses brown rice syrup that kind of thing. Uh, eat lots of green veggies to help metabolize your hormones. So we want to make sure that we're kind of gliding through these uh, hormonal phases. And for that, we need our liver to be in good working order. So for that, the the green veggies of the Brassica family, broccoli, kale, um, Swiss chard, and then things like Brussels sprouts and cauliflower; those are really helpful for brain chemistry uh, because they help for our they help our liver, um, and so they're also good for the hormonal balance overall. They can enhance fertility. Uh, they can be good for conditions like MTHFR, which I've talked about in another podcast. So, green leafy vegetables, preferably cooked, so they're easier to digest, are the way to go. You can also juice them, uh, but just you know, an excess of juice can uh, spike our blood sugar so just be careful if you're mixing it with fruit or anything like that eat healthy fats and complex carbs to satiate yourself in this cycle there is going to be for some people because of the hormonal change an inevitable increase in appetite. So instead of going for like the pizza, the mac and cheese, the ice cream, the comfort foods, try to satiate yourself with the healthy fats and complex carbs. So uh, seeds, nuts, nut and seed butters. I prefer raw and sprouted ones so that we don't have any risk of rancidity with the roasting of the oils. Olive oil, um, slow cooked foods uh, like bone broth or stews, small amounts of whole grains. Uh, These are the way to go to get you feeling fuller so that you're not kind of reaching for uh, things that are not going to be favorable, that will make you have spikes in insulin and blood sugar, that will make you more inflamed, that'll make you crave more. Uh, So try to fill up on the healthy fats and complex carbs. Um, You might still be eating a higher caloric intake at this phase of the cycle, but at still be healthy things that won't put you on a roller coaster of your of your brain chemistry where as soon as you get your period and you feel even semi-normal, then you're going to have to recover and, and kind of work on getting rid of the cravings. Uh, you can also try supplementing with vitamins that assist brain chemistry, gut health, inflammation, and insulin resistance. Now, I'm always a fan of supplements being a custom catered kind of thing. Uh, but just for a little bit of information, the supplements that I recommend for a condition like this, uh, where you're craving too much and having uh, issues with regulating your, your brain chemistry and your um tendency towards impulsive eating uh, before the period would be vitamins like vitamin D, B6, probiotics, omega-3, inositol, and NAC. Another amazing thing that you can do, and I use this a lot in the clinic, uh, are ear seeds and ear acupuncture. They are super, super effective for regulating your appetite and uh, helping you to control cravings. And not only that, but helping you feel happier and more relaxed. So um, ear acupuncture, ear seeds, if you don't live near anybody that can do that for you, um, then we offer demos uh, at the clinic. You can always book an appointment for a virtual session and we can help you get set up with that. And if you want more information or a custom catered program, then you can reach out to us to just to get a little bit more direction and how you should handle it. But I'm hoping what I've provided you in this podcast gives you a starting point of what to look at and how to handle it. And the very least, an understanding of why it's happening uh, and why it's important to pay a little bit of attention. So it doesn't kind of go rogue and turn into other issues uh, pertaining to fertility or otherwise. So thanks for tuning in. In and best to you. We'll talk next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community. And I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naterna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.